0: And I didn't go running this morning. Um, might not be a shocker, it's Sunday, so I don't typically run on Sunday. But I do love to run, and most of you know that. Uh, over the years, I've actually gone through lots of phases with my own running. Um, my longest phase, if you will, was, was the, the one that I was in for really most of my running life. Um, so basically after high school until 2020. So that's a long time. Um, And it was what I might now call a rut. Those of you who do run know what I'm talking about. Uh, You see, I absolutely hated any sort of hills whatsoever. I avoided them at all costs. Uh, I also didn't like anything high intensity or too low of an intensity. You know, just a nice, slow, moderate three-mile run. Absolutely no stops to be made. Just get it done. And that's the way that I functioned for a very long time. I will say that my running life was just one part of life that changed, if you will, uh, in the midst of the pandemic. I began to run with uh, more variation in elevation, intensities, duration, and something began to happen when I did that. All the stress that was placed upon, as they would say, my systems and structures um, began to make some positive adaptations, if you will ones that eventually, even through injury, and, uh, yeah, that was fun, uh, even through injury allowed me to run, I will say, a pretty stellar half marathon back in September, which had hills. They were terrible. Yes, they were terrible. I was reminded of all of that as I was reading day two of an Advent devotional this week. It's one I pointed out last Sunday. There's one more postcard left, um, Of of what it is, Um, it's called "The Holy in the Night: Finding Freedom in a Season of Waiting." It is by Shannon Dykus. Reflecting on Psalm 122, which is known as the Song of Ascent because the phrase in that psalm is "going to Jerusalem," and it implies going up because the city sits on top of a mountain about 2,500 feet uh, above sea level. She reminds us that as we ascend, the air becomes thinner. Higher altitudes of air contain less oxygen. Our bodies are amazing, she says, and they know how to adapt. We begin to breathe faster and more deeply to ensure that oxygen continues to flow through our blood and through to our brain and muscles. This happens as we climb, as we sing, and as we exercise. Our lung functioning and health actually improve over time. This is nothing revelatory, really, and I'm going to come back to the rest of her comments later, but it made me think that in a similar way, some stress, or what I might call the natural landscapes of our lives, uh, cause our bodies to change, and sometimes to be prepared for whatever journey might be ahead of us. I say that, but I also want to be clear that not all stress is... Everybody, dear. (laughs) Is he turning red? Yes. I maybe stopped his breath for just a minute. (laughs) As I was saying. So, conflict, obviously, unrest, and war cause uh, not only partial but sometimes total loss of breath through brokenness or destruction of lives. And so clearly traumatic stress is not good, nor what God intends for us, so I'm not saying that. Today we're going to continue on in our Advent series following the lectionary text from the book of Isaiah as we slow for some reflection. As I mentioned last week, we might say that the poetic and prophetic words of the book of Isaiah are quite frank, and so as I mentioned last week, Uh, we are journeying through Advent and considering how the words might expand our prayer life or expand how we communicate with God in ways that invite us to be more honest and to bring our whole selves. As a reminder, the book of Isaiah covers the historical events in the southern kingdom of Judah from about 745 B.C., and through the Babylonian period and the exile, which happened in 587 B.C., and then into the Persian period, which went all the way up to 331 B.C. So this is a huge swath of time. The people had come into the promised land, but after years and years, of course, life was not as they expected. Our text for today is Isaiah chapter uh, 40, and I will be reading verses 1 through 11. Uh, we will not continue beyond that, but it does, it does keep going. Um, and this portion of the text occurs during the Babylonian period, and so just after the exile, which is important for this particular passage. It's important because this part of the, of the book is actually considered uh, homecoming poetry. God is always calling us home to God's self, to our own selves, and to the kingdom and relationships where we experience Christ most fully. And I think at home, we can be at peace. Brittany and I were discussing uh, during staff meeting this week the idea of falling asleep, yes, even here in the gathering, and reflecting on the notion that we only fall asleep where and among whom we feel safe, where there is peace. And we thought that was a really beautiful thing. So this is homecoming poetry. um, And today's theme for Advent is faith or peace, as I already mentioned. And so I want us to listen for that theme in our text. But before reading it, I want to share what Wilda Gaffney points out, that this text speaks of a nation devastated and decimated by invasion, occupation, subjugation, exile, In virtual enslavement. And so she says to invite dominant cultural congregations and individuals with social and cultural privilege to hear this text spoken to those who lack it. And so I want, um, before I read this for us this morning from the NRSV, I want to encourage you to listen from this position. But in order to do that, I'm going to pause for a second and give us a moment um, to allow a person or group of people that lack social and cultural privilege to come to your mind, so that you can listen from that perspective this morning. Okay. All right, hopefully it didn't take too long to think through think that might be. Um and then like like like, like, like last week, um, after reading, I'm actually going to invite us to share any words or phrases that might challenge us to be more honest in our own prayer life. okay? So as you're listening from that particular perspective, pay attention to some of these words, okay. Comfort, oh comfort, my people, says your God. and the rough places a plain then the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all the people shall see it together for the mouth of the lord has spoken a voice cry a voice says cry out and i said what shall i cry All people are grass, their consistency is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to give just a moment if there's any word or phrase that stuck out to you that might challenge you to be more honest or more frank with God. Tenderly and gently, Brittany says. All people, all people are like grass, Autumn s- says. Mm. Hm. Holding them close to his heart. Holding them close to his heart. When I read this text for myself this week, I did it from two perspectives. I couldn't help but read from a Palestinian perspective, as they are experiencing the most extreme version of exile that I could think of today. And I read it from a Haitian perspective. (laughs) Haitians who have lived in a state of constant unrest, always looking for a way out. I felt like both of these groups are looking for a way home. Here's what I noticed in the phrases that came to me this week, and I offer them as a bit of a reflection um, to add to all the other words that have come up. They are these. We need comfort. The phrase, enough is enough, came up for me this week. God will make and lead the way. Herald good tidings. And the Lord who is peace is coming. Verse one, Comfort, O comfort my people." One commentator pointed out that the wording of verse five, which says, "And all people shall see together," indicates that verse one is actually addressing all people. Being made in the image of God means that all people are God's people. And so we might read the first verse as comfort, oh comfort, all my people, God says. We, as people, need comforted in the midst of hardship, conflict, unrest, injustice, war. Another way to say this is that we need some respite, peace and rest, or a sense of ease. I found it interesting that in the Hebrew here, the word for comfort is nakam, which is a primitive root word that means to sigh or to breathe strongly. We need comfort. We need ease. We need to breathe. In verse 2, the thought, enough is enough, came to mind. She, meaning the city, the people, have served her term. In light of last week's text, we might hear a difference between suffering the natural consequences of our choices and relentless punishment. And as I heard this phrase, um, this this particular scripture, and thought this phrase, "Enough is enough," um, I find myself troubled by comments regarding the war in Gaza, like, this is a justified response. Or troubled by comments or sentiments around my Haitian siblings, that there's just so much corruption that, you know, people can't possibly be capable of making change, and so they're just stuck with the consequences. And while I don't pretend to understand all of the history and the politics that have led to the state of things for either of these two people groups today, I do know that, the desert highways, are not straight. There are very high mountains and daily hills for the people to climb, both physically and metaphorically speaking. When I think of Palestinians, I am reminded of the most notoriously brutal checkpoint, which happens to be outside of Bethlehem. So packed with people who must show their IDs, which, by the way, are based on ethnicity, at a heavily military-guarded point in order to visit friends, family, dare we imagine the site where Jesus was born? Apparently, it's not uncommon for ribs to even get broken in the midst of wading through that mob of people going through the checkpoint. Friends, uh, some broken ribs create create a really hard situation for breathing. No comfort. When I think of my Haitian friends, I am reminded of the oppressive trauma that has been passed down through the generations who have fought for freedom from colonizers, from world powers taking advantage of their resources, and indebting the people to a point of literally no return. The oppressed become the oppressors, to use the words of Paulo Freire. You see, gangs now control at least 80% of the capital of Port-au-Prince, and the flow of goods and services and people through the major transportation arteries across the country that are vital for the well-being of the most isolated and vulnerable populations is the state of things today. The Haitians have a proverb, I've mentioned this before, it's one of my favorite and most well-known. De mon, mon which translates to, beyond every mountain, there's another mountain. Yeah. Those that I work with in Haiti, I can say live by this proverb, daily overcoming the hurdles before them. And simultaneously, they speak with conviction and with faith that peace is coming because God will make and lead the way. This Advent season, they show me what it means to hold faith that peace is coming, leading the way in heralding good tidings. Verse 9, we are invited to get up to a high mountain to herald good tidings. By the way, this herald good tidings is the first use in the Bible of this phrase that will become known as the good news throughout the rest of Scripture. The challenge is to share. The challenge is to be the good news. The Lord Peace itself is coming. Yes, the Lord comes with might and will feed their flock like a shepherd. They will gather their lambs in their arms and carry them in their bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The homecoming will be. And in the meantime, we wait. We navigate our ever changing atmosphere, figuring out how to live as God's people. And I want to come back to the rest of the words from Shannon Dykus that she shares in her Advent reflection on Psalm 122. Breathing consistently at high altitudes does something significantly different to our lungs. Our lungs begin to expand, increasing capacity for the continuous ventilation that occurs with less oxygen. Can you imagine the literal impact on the bodies of those who made this journey? Between the singing and the climbing, the psalmist knew that one of the impacts of being in Jerusalem was beginning to breathe differently. Let us go to the house of the Lord, then, becomes a richer invitation to journey into what is changing in our atmosphere and into how we might open to new patterns of living and breathing. In the midst of the Advent waiting, the anticipating the birth of Jesus, celebrating the incarnation where God breaks into this world and into our situation. May we journey into what is changing in our atmosphere. Zoom family, I apologize for all the technical difficulties this morning. Makes it hard to hear. All right, hopefully, you've got us now. I'm going to invite you to scroll down to the Lord's table liturgy and join in the bolded parts. And as we take some time to respond and to reflect, I encourage you um, to come um, to the table when you're ready. The uh, elements are gluten free, not allergen free, and the table is open um, for all. You can also respond um, through um, asking for or offering prayer um, if you would like pre-